Team. It's team. 
It's team. Yep. Period. And and where team plays the most important roles are in our life, where that team life mentality really comes into play is when the going gets tough. When the combat of life is beating us down, that negative insurgency is pummeling us over and over again. We need to have a place to go to be lifted out of the ashes, to rise to the place where we can achieve with great people around us. And that is the team never quit esprit de corps. All right. So before we get started, as we typically do, Marcus, we'll, we have a little historical event, a historical person that we, we want to talk about in order to reference the ideas of what the person who's coming on after. We want to set you up and understand the relevance and the possibilities behind where people come from, why they start, the direction they're going in life. So I picked a doozy for us on this one, brother. Mm. The person we are going to start out with in terms of her amazing transformation from, you know, her late teens into her, you know, 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s and what she's doing now is Cindy Crawford. Right. Yeah. All right. So everybody knows Cindy Crawford is among one of the greatest supermodels of all time. In fact, Men's Health Magazine has her in the top 100 hottest women of all time. Uh, VH1's 40 hottest hotties of 90. But regardless of all that, what you got to understand is that you know, how smart and intelligent. She graduated in 1984 as the valedictorian. A cool part about her was she actually earned a scholarship to study chemical engineering at Northwestern University, which is one of the one of the greatest schools uh, in country, uh, right? Northwestern. Yeah, I mean, it's one of the most successful. However, <laughs> she only attended one quarter because at 17, someone discovered her to become a model, and she dropped out to pursue a, a full-time modeling career. Now, thank God she did because she went on to appear in Vogue, Harper's Bazaar, thank Al Casa. Thank, thank you, Cindy, for doing yeah, that. Yeah, thank you. I just Cindy. wanted to thank you from the Generation X guys for giving up that scholarship at Northwestern and following this path. Following this dream because she went on to appear in every major modeling campaign every major magazine every major designer from versace calvin klein david yerman oscar de la renta everybody out there had to have cindy crawford the hometown girl from from illinois the also the other cool thing is she went on in her fame she was really the first person as a supermodel to go beyond just modeling and move into the mainstream of of whether it was being in George Michael's uh, famous hit Freedom, right? Freedom! Oh, <laughs> you don't remember that song? I thought it was an awesome song. I don't remember it sounding like that. All I have to do. <laughs> yeah, remember yeah, it sounding like that? Now, well, listen. That's why the that's why the wizard is the the musician and I'm on this thing right here. But all right, not only did she do that, but later on she went in after her her you know she tried she she ran MTV's House of Style. She was in a bunch of uh, other uh, movies. But the cool thing about Cindy is she realized that modeling wasn't going to be the extent of her career. She went on to de design. She's one of the first celebrities to get out there and design a product line for for uh you know her her own uh, beauty products was Jean Louis Seb 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 oh, man I, I butcher every it. name I just forget it. <laughs> she started a a uh, the Cindy Crawford home furniture collection. I mean the women and she worked with J C Penney's. I mean the woman went on to realize that she took this component, her beauty, but that wasn't all. She became an incredible businesswoman who started this empire. That's what's amazing. And on top of that, her activism and charity work is just as significant. Because when Cindy was ten years old, she lost her three year old brother Jeff to leukemia which dedicated her entire life to helping find cures for childhood leukemia. She also works extensively with the Ronald McDonald House. She's a person who understands that to take the most out of life, to follow her dreams, and to really be successful. I mean, the great thing about Cindy, I've always heard she's a wonderful person, too. Absolutely. You know, and and uh, very genuine. Yep. And the thing she's done is she's been relative in multiple generations, and when it, when comes to the the line of work she she starts in man that's a that's a tough business oh and for those it's so that, cutthroat yeah, yeah exactly that stay in it for as long as she did and to be relative i mean to be on the top right and then 
just follow on with all those multiple charities and everything says says a uh, says a great well, great deal you, about it. And you it, know how uh, Christy Brinkley was like that man. Absolutely. And you, and you see those Uptown and, uh, girl. Yeah, exactly. Because these, I mean, they travel around so much and talk to people. Everyone wants to talk to them, look at them, not only just take their pictures. So uh, the stress on top of all that. Well, what always man, you see a president or most people when they start to encounter stress or they get into an environment like that, where is it extremely stressful? Man, they age. Totally. Right. That's the wonder. That's that's the mind-boggling thing, man. Is the people that are in that, like her and Christy, that that are actresses and and models, and they go into all these philanthropies, what like that, and they still. Maintain they maintain their, their beauty. beauty. Their yeah, beauty. They, don't, yeah. they don't. The stress doesn't doesn't get to them. I like that. <laughs> well, because it's gotten us, but because we're definitely <laughs> yeah. not supermodels. The one yeah. thing I, I, it's, I, yeah, I came in looking <laughs> like I had I already been in for a while. You were you were definitely seasoned. <laughs> yeah, I had, I had a, so, my first OIC man, dude. He was he was a lieutenant, and I, I we were always I was like, man, he must have been prior enlisted. I was just. <laughs> he was for sure huh? no he wasn't he wasn't and he was younger than me no yeah, he looked like he, he was just pushing, tore up. pushing cattle on in arizona you his know, whole life yeah, he looked yeah. like a cowboy yeah but uh <laughs> the marble man who had like we the yeah, man. well the interesting thing about you know when you look at the modeling profession and and you know prior to i think cindy and her class of models Back in the 60s and 70s, models were really treated pretty poorly, and it was dominated by, you know, a really kind of uh, intense world of where they were just objects. And it oh, was, yeah. I think, Cindy Crawford is one of the pioneers to go beyond that, to break free of the tri- traditional confines, to saying, you know what, hey, yes, I, I use my beauty as a leverage point, but again, I my voice has always been there. My intelligence has always been there. And so when you think about the, you know, expanding the horizons, I mean, one of the, one of the great psychological challenges, Marcus, and, and I, you know, you probably could talk to a little bit of this is when people have these preconceived notions of who you are, what you are because of one thing, one particular thing. So just because she's beautiful, that's all she is. Right. Oh, or, sure. You know, and people are, you know, early on were looked at you and oh, he's just as, you know, tough you know, uh, seal and there's not much, you know, I, I can't get beyond that. And I certainly think, you know, there's more depth to us always. Absolutely. I mean, you, you know, as, as much as you've seen or heard, and if someone's filling your head in with, uh, with, with what they, the rumor deal, right? The you rumor hear, deal. Yeah. Absolutely. So, and that's one thing you and I do. I, we go out and actually live it, get into it and, and experience both sides of it. So sure, man, people formulate opinions all the time on something that they've seen and um, and are heard in a snapshot in time and uh it uh it that can add the stress i mean that adds a lot of stress actually a tremendous amount right exactly and that, i think that's when it's important to remember man hey look hey, I, you know who you are you know what you did and it's everybody else am you know those people who are saying stuff like that there's also the people out there who know right, right? the real deal and then just keep following the path. Yeah, I mean, stay, uh, stay, stay true to who you are. Yeah, stay the right? course, right? I mean, if you if you know what's going on, then and it's the truth, then I don't even pay a second thought to it. Right. Like if there's something out, like, when you hear stories come out about the untold story of Operation Red Wing, you know what I mean? There is no untold story. Yeah. I, I'm the only one that made it off the mountain. I'm right. the only one that know what happened, that knows what happened, and I, you know, and we we told the American public what happened, so it's. It's kind of it's still going to happen. Right. People are still going to say something with, uh, you know, they think they know what happens or they think they know what's going on and they, they put it out and that, that's their, you know, that's, that's their opinion. That's yeah, what that's happened. The, that's and, what they do. So, and, but, and, and that's why I love when people really, you know, they, they tap into what they believe in. They know what's true. They know what's right. And they have focus in their life to, to live out with that purpose. And they don't allow the naysayers, the haters you know, the people that are constantly looking to bring other human beings down. That's their job, right? And that's not what we do on this show. And unfortunately, I, I think women have to deal with that quite a bit, and especially women that are attractive. I think women are constantly having to, you know, attractive women battle the the preconceived notion that just because they're, they, they have good looks, that they oh, lack man, the, depth. The more, the they more lack- attributes you have as a person, the more... Or people are going to come at you. Oh, for sure. They want to tear it down. Well, let's get right into it. And let's let's welcome on uh, this this woman. And you and I, you've been friends with her for quite a while. She's a uh, huge supporter of the Lone Survivor Foundation. She's a huge supporter 
of of veterans issues and animal issues. She's a wonderful service woman. Service dogs for the guys. Service dogs for the guys. Hounds and heroes. And I got to tell you, man, it, it's just I got a chance to work with her uh, a few years ago at the Lone Survivor Foundation Gala in Chicago. Yep. And man, she is really on top of her game. So without further ado, let's welcome to the show Bonnie Jill Laughlin. Marcus, I've got to tell you, here's the deal. Okay, it's very rare in your life that that you have an opportunity to to bring someone on to get to get to know somebody who really has seen the spectrum of flo- of sports across its entirety, right? Who's seen it on the field? Who's seen it off the field? Who's been in the back office? Who's been in the front office? Who's who's been around it? Who knows sports inside and out? And by the way, who's a woman? So it's is, is good at it and is awesome at what she does. Right. And, and so for me, that gets me pumped up, man. That gets me fired up. And so I am so, we are, excuse me there, Vern. We are so honored to have Bonnie Jill Laughlin to the team never quit podcast. So thank you for coming on. Thank you. It's an honor to be talking with you and Marcus, you know, I'm big fans. So Thanks for having me. Well, it's funny, and I wanted to bring this up. The first time I got to meet you is when we were doing the Lone Survivor Gala a couple of years ago up in Chicago, right. and we came up, and, and they introduced me to you, and I was like, oh, great, and and went back and was doing a little research on you, and the thing that blew me away, and what and I will hope we'll get to, is just the the extended time that you've committed to troops and 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 the amount of time you've actually gone down range right. which is because I, I was there and, and I was walking away I was walking somewhere and you're like hey man like eight depl- eight deployments or something like 18, that 18 right, right? I just remember David you said deployments and so everyone thought I was you know in the marines or a <laughs> no, seal I, or something I, but then they didn't realize I was just you know an entertainer going to, you know over to USO tours <laughs> When you leave well, out of well, here into a combat zone, if, I mean... It, well, first of all, here, let me just roll through how I think about it, all right? You're going to a war zone, so it's a, it's a mini deployment. I was just giving you some props. I got some sand in my boots, but I'm out there as long as y'all. Right. <laughs> I like that. That is cool. Right. That is cool. Well, well, well Bonnie, yeah, yeah, she, she is. She steals a lot of great <laughs> material. All right, so... Welcome to the TNQ Podcast. The way we get started in order to, to warm up our brains just like we would do our bodies, right? We give what's called the Mad Minute. Now, this is just uh, off the cuff. We're going sh- to fire uh, questions at you, and you just give us the first thing that pops into your mind to get your, your, your gray matter ready to talk about the other stuff in, in a sec. So are you ready to go? I am. All right, Marcus. I'm ready. All right, fire when ready. All right, favorite superhero. Captain America. Nice. Yes, right here. Can you see him behind me right here? He's, he's right here. I have a Captain America shirt. Nice. That's what I love. That's what I love. All right, here you go. Uh, do you prefer Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, or Snapchat? Uh, probably Twitter. I like talking to my fans and getting messages out there, so I'd say Twitter. There you go. Check. First car. First car was a uh, Ford F one fifty. Actually, I'll take it back. It was a dually that my parents had, so I had to tr- you know bring all my horses around, and then I got an F one fifty. A dually, <laughs> a crew cab dually. Yeah, got a girl. She I had mean, a dually. I mean, come on. Now I'm embarrassed. Right? <laughs> What's the baseball cap driving around? I mean, that's a big thing. When, I had when a ni- boy see that thing. I had a night. I had a 1985 Maxima. I mean, Bonnie Jill on, had. A, Bonnie Jill had a dually. Right? <laughs> that's cool. And it was a diesel. <laughs> oh my god, that's but back epic. in the day. Diesel too is real loud. Yeah, yeah, bah, 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 bah. All right, all right. Next question: <laughs> If you could have any dream career, that's not what you're doing now. What would it be? I think I'm living the dream now what I'm doing, but the only other thing I would want to do is actually own my own sports team. I don't know if that's really a career when you're an owner, but sure uh, it is. that's one thing I want. <laughs> well, that's that's pretty lofty. Yeah. Let, let me know when you do, because I want to be a scout for you. A <laughs> uh, movie character you'd play out in real life. Movie character. Ooh, that's a tough one. Movie character that I would play in real life. Yeah, if, if you, you could, could be. Play, if you could play them, out, if, you, if you would play their part and that was your life in the movie. Uh, I gotcha. How about uh, Tomb Raider? Tomb Raider? Laura Croft? Yes! Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's a a treasure hunter. You could actually do that. Adventure, man. All right. All right. Next question. Give us one bucket list item. 
Oh, let's see. Bucket list item. God, these are tough. I would say training with the Navy SEALs. I have really wanted to do that. We appreciate that. And that's not me just making this up. You know, I really have always wanted to. I don't know if I could keep up, but I've always just wanted to say I experienced that. That's cool. All right. So what's your power animal? My power animal? Yeah. Oh, I just say probably, and people always ask me what, what animal I think I am. I'm going to say a horse. I grew up on a horse ranch and I feel like I'm a horse sometimes. And uh, that's me. I love it. Now, I feel like a horse's ass most of the time, but, man, but that's I, never. I saw a warbot of paint the other day, man. That uh, I'm, I grew up on a horse ranch. No, we'll get into that later. I'm sorry. War paint? Where are you going a with that? A warbot of paint. I saw a warbot of paint the other day. I, you don't see him. Very, I mean, a big old stud horse warbot. His whole head was covered up, but his mane, he was brown around the head and his he had a white mane coming out of the top, and the rest of his body oh, was white. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, man. It's something. I didn't mean to go off on that. No, I'm no. I, guy, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I just never understood it. My my aunt growing up, she had horses. I, I love them, but, man, they, they're unpredictable. That that makes me a little nervous around them, you know? Yeah, no, they're not. Are they? They're pretty yeah. forgetful. Smart, man. That's what people who... And they can tell you're nervous. If they know that you have bad Nervous, I'll buck you right off. <laughs> it, it, right? That's me. That's me. Right you, ever see, you ever seen the wildest Mustang or wildest thoroughbred around a special needs child? Awesome. Awesome. All right, last question. College buddy. football or the pros? Oh, that's tough because I'm a, my Longhorn, so I love my Longhorns, but I love my Cowboys, too. That's kind of 50-50. Hey, you and my brother get along, man, because he's Captain America freak and a Longhorn. Really? Yeah. Does he love the Cowboys or the Texans? Yeah, he lives up. He's going to school up and down. Yeah, that's right. right? Oh my gosh! I don't. That's that's the full like that's the full that's Monty the right game. there. Yeah, right. That's, uh, uh, she loves horses. She loves uh, you know Longhorns and she's Dallas fan. Yep. Joe Are you married? Are you- <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait a minute. This is kind of one of those unicorn. That's awesome. All right. Well, well, that is the Mad Minute, and we want to thank you for your participation. I hope that was fun for you, as it always is for us. So, those uh, are good questions. I was well, thinking about that bucket list question, man. I, it if, you if you don't have a bucket list, because you're not planning on dying yet. Well, I don't know about that, but people just they're they don't spend a lot of time thinking about the need when they're in the midst of their their right, young right. life and, and things point. are going going great. Then corrected. We we stumped Taya Kyle on that one too and, and she she promised she would come back on with a better answer. She had like I wanted to go get a beer or something. What was hers? <laughs> oh, hell, we can do that right now. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, so Bonnie Jill, the reason why Marcus and I started the Team Never Quit podcast is because we believed in in the fact that so much negativity is going on in the world right now. And there's so many people that are struggling, whether it's in the United States or it's overseas and all the stuff that we've seen, that we wanted to bring a show to the to the public that would inspire them, that would give them not only the motivation to face adversity and overcome obstacles, but also you know, it would, would give them a reference point, something to be able to tap into, an educational component, if you will, of bringing on amazing guests such as yourself to share with them how they became what they are today and, and, and really where they developed that never quit mindset, their influences, and, and really just to, to hear what got you to the place you are now. So let's jump right into it. And what is your greatest never quit story? I think being the first and only female scout in the NBA, um, being a female in a man's world in any profession is tough. But with that, it was very, very tough. A lot of nights of crying, wanting to quit, um, you know, and I decided, you know, like your show, never quit. You know, I very um, passionate about what I do, um, have a lot of uh, drive, ambition, work ethic. And so I was like, you know, even though this is going to be a tough uh, road, I didn't want to stop and it was tough like I said you know having you know some of these I kind of joked around and said that some of these scouts have been scouting since the dinosaur ages so they were like (laughs) they were not used to seeing a female especially with my background I mean I played basketball but I also was a cheerleader a model this and that so they were making fun saying oh is she going to come scout players in her bikini I mean just a lot of different things I would and I understand I mean I'm not someone you know and I understand I was you know very 
uh, I knew my role. And um, when I was starting to scout, I had Brian Shaw and Kurt Rambis and a couple of the other scouts and coaches who kind of took me under their wing and brought me to my first assignment. And it was, you know, like I said, it was tough. I wore big baggy sweats and a baseball hat. And <laughs> Brian Shaw goes, what are you wearing? Why are you walking like that? And I said, well, I'm trying to mess you and look like I'm one of the guys. He goes, he's like, you're not going to be one of the guys ever. He goes, you know, your knowledge, you're credible. He goes, just make sure, you know, you get your scattering reports done and, you know, don't worry about anyone else trying to fit in. That's but cool. I wasn't really trying to fit in at the time. Um, and Phil Jackson, Mitch Kupchak, they all kind of just told me the same thing. You know, you're not going to ever fit in. You're not one of the, you know, you can feel like you are one of the guys, but you're not. Right. <laughs> so, absolutely. So, I mean, is that, that's a great piece of advice, right? Don't go in. Don't try to right. fit in. Try just to be yourself. Try to make your yeah, way in. Yeah, right? yeah. Earn your way once yeah, you're there. Right. You got there for a reason because of you, so earn your way. So let's go back a little bit. Tell us about the transition of how you were, where you were at and what you are doing. How did that all go down where next thing you know, you get asked by the owner and say, hey, do you want to be a scout? Right. I was actually covering the Lakers for the CBS affiliate in Los Angeles. So I was doing post and pregame and Jerry Buss, the late Jerry Buss, always was one of those owners that liked to think outside the box. Um, and he also was always looking for ways to incorporate females. He was, you know, the first owner in the NBA to bring in cheerleaders. So he kind of liked bringing the female aspect. Plus his daughter runs a you know, business operations, Jeannie Buss. And so Mitch Kupchick and him and Jeannie all came to me and said, hey, we really want to try a female. We know you know the triangle offense. We know that, you know, the, you know it was Pac-10 at the time, Pac-10 and Big 12 conferences. Why don't you go on the road, scout a little bit, see how you like it, and, you know, we'll kind of rate you from there. And they like my scouting reports, and they signed me to a five-year deal and then a five-year deal again. Wow, that's incredible. I, I mean, how come... Yeah, what do you think is the big resistance for integrating more women into scouting or into front office positions within major league sports? I think it really is just... It's an old boy... You know, it's an old boys club. Just like, you know, at the military, I mean, there's certain things that are just... uh, normally you know male dominated and they really don't like to bring you know females in you're starting to see females now more in the nba and different sports you know with becky hammond the spurs and there's some football coaches coming in now so it is starting but it's very very slow process it is i it was funny before you came on i I reached out to one of my close friends uh mike rickard who's the head of scouting for the red sox and i was talking to him about it and said hey you know you know, why is it that women haven't moved into those positions? He goes, quite frankly, you know, and, and their, their organization is very progressive. They, you know, they'll right. try anything with it, whether it's scientific or whatever. And he was <laughs> like, you know, the, a lot of his senior scouts are guys that have been in baseball for 35, 40 years. And they're still holding on to that antiquated mentality that this is our world. It's ours. Nobody else, you, you know, f- women can't break in and, and and, right. th- and and what you're saying is that when you did come in, did you face that? How did it ever go away, or was it just something that you learned to deal with? I learned to deal with it. I have thick skin, so you know, like I said, you know, no one knows that I was crying at night because I didn't let anyone, you know, always have my game <laughs> face on during the day. But yeah, I mean, you started to have to get used to it. I mean, over time, yes, there was respect with the coaches and the scouts and other front office, but there was still the resistance from a lot of the older. Uh, scouts who, like you said, have been around for so long and they just don't want, um, it's not like a sexist thing. They just don't want females, you know, in their department, I guess you you could say. Mm, The good old boys club. Bruce and how you perform. Yeah. Right. Right. And I get it. I mean, you know, it's a, I wasn't trying to be any different from them or get more PR or anything like that, you know, so I really was there to get a job done, but uh, it's still something that they didn't really uh, care for. Even the Boston Globe did a, a feature on me and we thought it was going to be something kind of positive, it ended up being them just slamming me. You know, it was worth <laughs> the final, so Lakers, Celtic, I should have known better, but then Derek Fisher comes over to me and says, have you seen this? And I'm like, uh, no, and it was just, I mean, it was bad. It was just ripping me, you know. Well, that's so, Boston. <laughs> Boston Globe, right. And so, you know, and this was done by a female writer, which was oh, kind no. of appalling to me to have a woman's back working in sports. But, you know, that was the first time I was like, okay, this is going to be an interesting journey. <laughs> I was always fascinated how you've integrated yourself into multiple facets of the, the sporting world and become great at it. So it gives you a unique perspective on multiple things that you're talking about the boys club. They don't have that. 
So, I mean, if you yeah. have that knowledge from, from, from actually being in there and doing that, I mean, trust me, man, when, when you're the one reading out the stats, people who truly concentrate on that stuff, they're going to go to the person who has the most knowledge. Absolutely. Right. right? I mean, that's, that's the way it goes. Well, that's what great performers do, right? People that really care about reaching the threshold of, of the highest performance. Yeah, she grew in life and, and uh, as an adult, man, she transitioned into multiple things in the same... Or, well, that's a good that's, point you're making right there is she grew in life. So what I want to know is, Bonnie Jill, is where did that passion for athletics start? I know you grew up uh, on a horse farm and your your dad was in the horses and you guys lived on a ranch and all that, but... When was the moment where it was like, click, I love sports? I think a very young age. You know, I was a daddy's girl, you know, so I was going to a lot of sporting events with my dad. You know, that was my way to always be with dad. And I wasn't that typical kid that just wanted to, you know, get some foam fingers and cotton candy and stuff. Like I really, for some reason, I don't know what it was, had some passion uh, for sports. Wanted to ask, you know, my dad, how fast did that kid run the 40? And, you know, what college did he go to? And, you know, you know, what is, uh, you know, an RBI? I mean, just things that little kids don't ask. And so my parents knew, that, you know, at a young age that I was going to be somehow involved with sports or make it a career. And uh, they've always been so supportive of um, whatever I, you know, wanted to do and really instilled in me integrity, work ethic, and you know to be goal-driven ambitious well i love i love all i like because i of course follow her on on instagram and twitter and all that and i love when you post the pictures with you and your pop and I, by the way yeah. i love his mustache by the way tell him never yeah. to shave that ever in his whole life no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and and what's interesting Some is things just aren't going away you know, no, no. yeah yeah so uh, the, the uh, old narcotics cop so he's got that you know uh, of, course of, of, of course he is. Of course he is. So it's the porn stash. <laughs> I mean, it's, the D, it's the DEA. I'm going to kick your ass. <laughs> when you see this, that's what comes behind that, right? Because we are always... Yeah, oh, makes perfect sense, time, man. Uh, I was like, oh, yeah. Bryant met my dad. He goes, he goes, Bonnie Jill. He goes, your dad looks like he's the head of the KKK. I said, no. I said, he just, you know, he kind of just looks mean, and he wears a cowboy hat to, you know, Laker games. Everyone does, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's awesome. All right, so oh, I, I, I just one question about yeah, pops. Then go for I it. I mean, because I have a daughter trying to be a a good dad. I ask everybody for advice on that. My daughter's driven too, asking questions about it. You can see it rolling in her head. Was he one of those guys that dads that let you get excited about something and then taught you everything and kind of helped you out in it? Or did he, did he force a, you're going to be in horses. You're going to be in this. You're going to be in that. No, my mom was the one who'd force things. And then my dad was the one that was very supportive in anything I did. Uh, That's his and my family too. Yep. So my mom was forcing me to do pageants and do this and that, you know, that I was like, whatever, I didn't really care for. And then, you know, my dad, when it came to playing softball, riding horses, he was, you know, very supportive, you know, plus he loved uh, that aspect of it. But I think it's because I'm such a daddy's girl. I kind of wanted to be like dad. That makes total <laughs> yeah, sense. Yep. Uh, yeah. Absolutely. Women make, make, make how it's going to go and then the men enforce it, right? Teach you everything. Right? You know, that. So exactly. It's a great dynamic. Yep. So far. All right. So when we, when, when we go back to, you know, you're, you're, you're in high school, you're in athletics, you're, you're doing other things, you know, what, wh- what was in your mind where you wanted to go in life? I mean, what was Bonnie Jill? Like, what was your target area that you were determined to set out on that path for? I just, I don't know, I've always just kind of had this conquer the world mentality. So <laughs> when I said earlier that I wanted to own a sports team, that's what I was thinking the whole time. I need to make more, you know, enough money so I can support my charity and own a team and just have fun. But I always was just thinking, you know, sports, sports, sports. And um, I loved it. So I knew it could be something where you get paid for, but loving it. And that's what you should do when you're in a, in a career. That's that's exactly right. Hey, here's how I know you're going to have a sports team one day, because you always hear about the, the, the greatest owners and and. and they talk about it like, man, they started just at the beginning when they were young. Right. Working at the team, doing anything, a cheerleader, uh, working their way up. She's a scout. I mean, so when you are the boss, you do on the team, when you have people who work underneath you and they come up with the excuses, like, that, that's an excuse. I know because I did that. Right. right. Yeah. Absolutely. That's what's great in the CLTs, man, as you get seniority and you've had those quals when the new guys come up, like, it's not working because you're like, yeah, try again. Get back over there. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. So you'll have one one day. Well, Which we need some tickets, uh, by right, the way. All right, so the question now, let's shift the a focus a little bit and, and move towards when did your passion to, you know, really uh, helping troops, uh, not only going over doing the USO stuff, but also, you know, starting uh, your charity that you started. And I want you to talk a little bit about that. But when did that all kick off for you? 
Well, I grew up in a military family. Both my grandfathers served in World War II. One was actually awarded a Silver Star and a Purple Heart. He was in the Bataan Death March, which oh, I'm wow. sure you guys... Yeah, and he was a, PO, he was a POW. So, um, and then my uncle was a career Marine who served in Vietnam. So um, all the people in my life um, you know, I looked up to were military or law enforcement. So at a young age, I wanted to uh, make sure that I always supported uh, my heroes. And my uncle one time told me how when he was in Vietnam, Elizabeth Taylor visited them and how it just changed their morale and the, you know, um, just everything about that, he said, just really helped them um, get through that war at the time. So I remember thinking, gosh, one day I hope I can go over and uh, entertain for our troops. And I was able to with the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders um, in Bosnia and Japan and Germany. And then from there, was able to keep going on my own and MC, you know, downrange in Iraq and Afghanistan um, for, with Toby Keith and Gary Sinise and uh, you name it. And it's just uh, it's such an honor just to be able to go over there, bring a piece of America to our troops, tell them that there are people here that support them. Um, and uh, it's uh, like I said, it, uh, it's really uh, life changing to be there. To be well, there. Well, tell us a great never quit story about being downrange for us. Give, I know you got one in all the trips you made. So give us a great never quit story about being downrange. Oh, gosh, there's there's so many. I mean, one time, and, I, and I'm not making this up, you know, I know some of these reporters make things up all the time when they're there, but I actually was up in a Blackhawk, and uh, they started to fire some RPGs at us, and they thought that um, I was in the helicopter and the bird with uh, Cheney and McCain, and he was, it was one of those things where they thought we were um, one of the other Blackhawks, and I was with a bunch of wrestlers, and um, Diamond Dallas Page was saying that our father. Diamond and- Dallas, <laughs> yeah. We <laughs> were all like crying and just like I mean freaking out, and I don't know what's wrong with me. I kept thinking, wow, if this is the way I'm going to go out, this is huge. I want to go out. Like this. <laughs> right? Thank you. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is the way to go, and you know the rest were just. I mean, they were literally like a couple of the girls were crying, and I was just like, oh wow, this is badass. I- so I'm kind of weird, but anyways. No, that's so that not weird. That's cool. There were so many times mortars were going off. Like you said, you're in a war zone, but I don't know. To me, it's like, you know, we're protected by the best. And I always, I never felt like I wasn't safe. You know, um, I always felt, um, I felt safe. It was weird. I never, a lot of people are scared to go down range. There's a lot of rappers who say they're, you know, all tough. And then, you know, right before they cancel because they're scared. So it's funny. You kind of see that some of these celebrities aren't as um, tough as they think they are. Not at all. <laughs> Not at all. I, I was thinking about she was telling a story of the pilots flying that and the, and the gunner. You know, they were like, bro, we got to get through this one. Uh, totally. <laughs> you totally. better fly the rotor off this damn thing and oh, get out of here with, with who we got in here. Oh, I, I remember flying my first <laughs> night up and, and the, the tracers come up and are like out of the, out of the mountainside. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what are they? Are they? They're shooting at us, man. Yeah. <laughs> are they shooting at us? Are we really going to get back? Because I was trying to look out the window, and they were like, "Ma'am, please get back." <laughs> yeah, and the you know, Blackhawks aren't built for comfort. No, right. So oh. when they when you start taking strafing rounds, and you, and they got to start doing some maneuvering, man. You when you get sucked to the they have the doors on it. Oh, of course they did. I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. yeah, and then they call some Apache support. Everything. Oh, really? Big, yeah. That is awesome, man. Awesome. I thought it was hey, you were in it. They got a call for some <laughs> yeah, backup. Yeah, totally. I love it. All right. All right. So tell us a little bit about the charity. Did the charity come during that time after? Tell us about that. Um, I was involved with so many different charities um, that I was helping out, and, you know, Semper Fi Fund and Operation Gratitude and you name it. And so I wanted to be able to start my own as well. And I love dogs. So I wanted to be able to start pairing up, you know, dogs with our heroes when they come back. So um, we rescue dogs from the shelter and then we train them and then we pair them up with, you know, a lot of the wounded warriors. And it's been very, very rewarding. And um, I love it. Well, I like I love how you describe it online where you, you're like, we rescue the dogs and then the dogs rescue the vets. And I, and I right. love that concept. It's a. It's a beautiful thing of that, you know, re refurbishing the soul of the animal, and then and then it, it just translates perfectly into the soul of the individual. Basically, saving two lives. Best it's awesome. Ever. I mean, me and Mr. Rigby. Rigby's actually. I was going to ask you if he was there. Oh no, right here. He comes in with us uh, almost every show for sure. Is that a dog? I keep is uh, in the background. I keep catching my eye. Do you have one of your dogs in the background? I think I see his tail wagging. Oh, uh, oh no, that's my cat. But I have dogs too. Uh, oh yeah. Actually, 
a blind um, military um, bomb sniffing dog that got blown up um, in Afghanistan, and no one wanted his uh, handler didn't want him, and so we took him in. So he's a big German shepherd, blind, and uh, we lucky. love him. Wow, lucky. wow, <laughs> that's awesome! All right, tell me, tell me, a great program, by the way. I mean, you because I when I got out and I got. Uh, Riggs, I, I got thrown into the world yeah. that I'm in right now. It's just me and him. Morgan was still in the teens. We weren't married or anything like that. I mean, this dude, millions of sky miles, just 24. Like the thing with the dogs, when y'all pair them up is we have two lives with these dogs. Most of the time people have pets. They go out uh, during the day. The amount of time they spend with them, man, with this guy, I've, t- I've gotten so much time with him. Just amazing. I mean, it's kind of an anxiety I thing when you live. No, that's that's a good question. No, when when I mean, because obviously you got dropped in the middle of the madness and all this. Two weeks. Two weeks, right? Yeah. And, and now all of a sudden you got Rigby with us or with you. When you would finish a speech or a presentation or whatever, and you go back, what was that connection that makes it so valuable? Was oh, it? Man, it's just kind of weird. The, the dog mentality, that loyalty, that, I mean, always happy to see you, always in a good mood, no matter what it is, uh, right. up with you. Right. And I, I mean, he is, if I get up out of bed and go anywhere in the middle of the night, he, you know the deal. He's with me. He's always focused on me. And when you, yeah. after a while, when something shows you that much attention, man, you naturally just kind of start showing it attention. And what, what you, what happens is, is you start taking care of it and you have feelings for it and you redevelop Help me with this one, man. The, emo- like, the yeah, emotion, okay, the so cognitive like, dis. Actually, it's the emotional dissonance that happens as a result of combat. Right. So you know how we're wired as team guys, man. There's no emotional. I mean, we love each other and everything. Like that's tough. I mean, it's. But a, we're not going to take long showers together. Right. I mean, you, you're not going to sit there and. Me and this dog have had hours of conversations, and it was one way. You know that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'd talk out loud to him. I'm talking out loud to my dog. You know, like, <laughs> so that's why I had to give him. It. Rigby has Christopher Walken's voice, by the way. Yeah. We've gone with that anyway. Yeah. So when I think he, when he's looking at me a certain way, I get that Christopher Walken. Dude, I, I mean, love the kind of stuff that happens when you're with me. Join you at the RNC. Oh uh, no, he's no, retired. No, yeah, yeah, he retired. He's semi-retired yeah, he, he now. You know, he's 11. He's almost 12. He's just he loves being a. Uh, House dog. Oh, he figured out that he could, what what being pet is all about. So man, he, he never had been touched ever, and he figured out what that's all—the scratching, the belly stuff like that. And I mean, it's unbelievable. I can't. I mean, he's making. He's like, you gonna? We're making up for this ten years we've been together, brother. Get, get busy. I mean, it's great. That great program, man. I I support Southeastern God. You know that. So, right. man. Thank you for what and you're doing. The other doing thing that. that we're doing now is we're actually we're going to do equine therapy. So we've actually rescued a bunch of racehorses and different horses from slaughter, and we are doing equine therapy. And we've had a couple of retreats already with some of our veterans, and that's in Frisco, Texas, and it's oh, been yeah, really yeah. successful because you know Marcus would probably be able to tell you you know horses are very therapeutic as well as dogs. So um, we're doing you know we're expanding a little bit. All right, we're partners on both of that on both sides of that because. The Lone Survivor Foundation was built off of that ranch concept with the horses. I mean, I, I kept going home after deployments. That's why I don't have any problems. And then got plenty of dogs. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. But one, one another another interesting thing. About, oh, we got plenty of dogs. Well, one of the another interesting things that I think about you, Bonnie Jill, is just your ability to be focused and passionate about one thing. Now we've talked extensively about your your passion in athletics, uh, right? Your passion for veterans. Share with us a little bit about your passion for animal rights, too. I think it's a, a it's a remarkable thing because many people, I mean, obviously, I don't think a lot of people realize just how hammered animal ra- rights activists get, right? I mean, it's, right. you know, a lot of people come after you guys yeah, unnecessarily. Like a crazy one, though. You know, some of them can be kind of nuts and crazy animal activists. But, you know, my thing, like right now, I'm doing um, a lot with Capitol Hill with the horse slaughter because they're killing a lot of horses um, for human consumption in different countries. They eat them there. And so I've been doing a lot uh with you know making sure that we can save as many horses as possible so i meet with a lot of senators and congressmen uh, about that and then also helping with the military with the service dogs be able to have the va you know provide this so i work a lot um you know on both sides but yes i'm you know i'm pretty uh avid on both well what's what what, what blows me away and, and listen I'm, I'm i'm i think i i'm similar to you in that i you know i'm I see something that that gets sparks me, it gets me in here, and I you know drive forward to make it happen. And what, where does that come from in you? I mean, why? Because you are you are never sitting still. You always got fifty gazillion things going on. What what is that? Where, where does that come from? I don't know. I think my parents kind of instilled in me independence. 
obviously I've sacrificed a lot. That's why I don't have any kids or married. Uh, everything goes into my, my career and <laughs> charity. And I think that's uh, my parents always were really uh, big on giving back. They always, you know, let me know that that's very important that to always pay it forward. And we're put on this earth, you know, to make sure that we make a difference. So again, at a young age, I was, you know, helping, you know, with uh, my parents with a lot of different things with the homeless veterans to, you know, you name it, uh, rescuing dogs from the shelter. So that's something at a small age. So basically sports, military, and animals with something and i guess it's kind of being a voice for the voiceless if that makes sense totally totally absolutely well i mean that those three components make up my life uh, growing yeah. up from a kid i mean it's just and, and that's what it is it makes up who you are all the stuff that you do and all these components in, in your life that you reach out and touch that's that you pull all those together that's you're looking at it right there and that's what i mean that's the same thing we all i right. do and rut does man it's those little details about like oh i wouldn't even have expected her or, or you to do something like that I'm like well man there's there's Multiple levels to it, right? I got a lot of passion for Absolutely. multiple things. So Absolutely. It's All great right. that you can get out and do that. People, people right now on social media that, you know, it's great to have a successful career and it's great to be, you know, pretty this and that. But I think you need to have some substance. You need to be able to, you know, have something that you're passionate about and want to give back, make a difference. You know, I don't like when I see women who are just successful and they don't do anything with it. They don't use their platform for good. So, um Oh, well, there's a I, lot of that. I, I, that's look, for I, sure. It's that's what comes behind it. I mean, that's the thing about it. We talk about the depth. Yeah, the, that's the difference. It's the people who get out and actually experience all that right. stuff. And when they come in and you hear their name, it's not who's standing in front of you. It what it's what comes with them, man. So, right. Aren't always going to agree with you. You know, you guys know how that is. You know, a lot of people will say things to me about, you know, that, you know, I'm a conservative and I don't make sure, you know, I don't hide it. You know, I believe in God. You know, I support our troops and I get a lot of backlash on social media about it. You know, and I don't, uh, I'm one of those people that you got to stand for something, right? And so I don't <laughs> care what people agree with me or not. Well, I'll tell you what, You're that at, at peace. that's rule number six for my girls is stand up for your beliefs, right? And that's, and, and that's something that you got to do. And, and it's uh, unfortunately, Nowadays, you get so persecuted for your beliefs, and especially if your beliefs, you know, are is varied in a bunch of different things, you know, and, and what the challenge I believe for that never quit mindset is where do you pull the strength from? What is your core foundation, the cornerstone of of your moral compass, and, and, and how do you hold true to that? So the question goes to you, Bonnie Jill, is when when you are getting those haters reaching out or you're in an environment where you're singled out so to speak and 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 that pressure's on you what do you tap into mentally and emotionally to hold hard I have to kind of watch it because I don't have much of a, a filter. So there are times that I got to like, take a breath and be yeah, like, oh, all right, okay, maybe I shouldn't tweet this out yet. Let me calm down. You know, so I try to, you know, if it's really someone who's just, you know, very ignorant, I probably normally just block them and don't respond. But sometimes if it's someone that's, you know, maybe can be educated. That's what I try to do. Or I try to let them know where I'm, you know, where I'm coming from, especially when it comes like, you know, right now with the Kaepernick thing with him not standing for the national anthem, you know, there's just things that I just won't tolerate. And so I'll make sure to, you know, speak on it and say it. And if you don't agree with me, tough, but you know, if you're living in America and uh, you forget that what this country stands for and you don't, you know, support our troops and that flag move, take off, you know, Go somewhere We're, else, right? Yeah. <laughs> Go to France. <laughs> Man, right? just to touch on that whole stand for something and that belief in something, man, that that kind of develops trust, right? I mean, if oh you, yeah, it's hard to trust somebody, man, if they don't have, if they don't stand for something, because if they can switch, even on if it's something totally different than you, at I, least they I, are I, holding I, hard. I mean, that's why the, our right. training is the way it is too. That if, if we can trust each other to take care of the little mundane stuff during the problem times, the hard times, yep. and everything else is a joke, man. So, and that gets to the never quit mentality. It's it's that. With other people. I mean, you can go as far as you can by yourself, man, but you get around some right. other people. So do by. you have, Bonnie Joe, last question in this segment, and we'll get to more of the in-depth how you do in your in your regular life in the After Actions Report here in a little bit, but what are the types of people that you're looking for to be your teammates in this quest that you're on in life? No, to, to one, to be a, a decent human being, to, to, to reach out for things bigger than yourself, to serve the greater good, but also in your own personal goals. What type of person are you hoping to surround yourself and what type of people do you have around you right now? 
Yes, that's very important to make sure you surround yourself with good people. And like all my girlfriends, they're all like-minded like myself, and they're very career-driven. They're very passionate as well. I mean, I can't be around you know the girls that are superficial or don't uh, stand for anything. So I, all my girls are very patriotic. They're all like you know career-driven, um, very family-oriented, uh, believe in God. You know, so there's a lot of things that um, I just Amen. really like to surround myself. You know. With Family and friends, it's the same thing. You know, I just, uh, I'm not saying that I'm going to look down on some if they don't have my same beliefs. They're just not in my inner circle. That's cool. Yeah, I think what you do well too is you, if, even if you see somebody who has the, a lot of people have the same common goal to get on something, but man, one of them, if one of them is so extreme on it, they, they'll even push away the, like, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you, man. Like, we well, ain't agreeing enough. That, that kind of stuff. But if you, right. the filter. Yeah. I, I know you said you don't have one, but I, yeah, you do a little bit because of the way you work with uh, multiple charities and multiple aspects of it. I mean, I love animals and I do a lot of stuff for them, but I also hunt. And right. I, I mean, it, and I, it's one of those deals where you put those together to take care of those animals in the best way I can. I know that there's times where I have to do that. Mm-hmm. In the beginning, we hunt, you know, we eat the food, all that kind of stuff goes into it. Yeah, that's different the way you do it. I'm talking about some of the trophies are killing there's people in our own kind of circle that love animals that man will ostracize me because and that's fine i get it man but that's my that's the way i live my life and i can still work with with them if possible or if not man and you do that well too so that that's kind of the key and that comes with age and the experience and and being in multiple parts of it like you are and like like i was in in rut so being confident uh, yeah you do that well well you know, we we just love what you do out there. We're big big fans of yours, and 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 man, it's just uh, thank you so much for coming on the Team Never Quit podcast with Marcus and I. Thank you. Next time I gotta do it in person because this was fun. <laughs> <laughs> you, you got it. When you listen to her describe, you know. At its core, her patriotic focus. I mean, imagine growing up, your dad's a a, a narcotics cop. Awesome, right? I mean, and and, and his his mustache is is so awesome. Of course he does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and when you hear about her uncle and, and all the people in the military, her commitment, how many times she's gone overseas... And and the fact you know that that's her- the thing about it, man. That was and I remember at the uh, the Chicago gala when you said that. That's a lot, man. It's a lot to you know, go to go down range eighteen sucks. times. I don't care if it's two weeks, one week, whatever. I mean, it's that's not, a commitment. Yeah, it's not first class, and and then uh, the four seasons when you get over there, man. No, I mean, like, it, it sucks. you're in the deep pack yeah. in Kuwait, and it's horrible, man. And, Hurry up and wait. Oh, you know, I mean, just, especially those when when she go outside the green zone. Oh, flying around. I mean, you'd heard the helicopter story, and she was all fired up, man. I was just like, that's cool. Right? Yeah. <laughs> my, my thing is... the first time that happened when those helos started, because we don't have the doors on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, oh, man. <laughs> and you're, in, you're on the side? <laughs> yeah. When yeah. you're in the door? Oh, dude. I, I, for, I'd say the, the freakiest for me was when I worked for Blackwater, and I, I ran this building project. We were building... I was designing and building uh, the Afghan border police in Gardez and Herat, I'd get on those old MI-17s that like Lockheed Martin was renting from the local government. And they were like, <laughs> they were like 40 years old and dudes would come out with like their cigarettes uh, and uh, bent, pro- <laughs> bent, <laughs> the, the bent rotor. rotor. <laughs> and there'd be the rigorous tape go around and I, them. Oh, <laughs> dude, and I would get on those and it was just me and, and these pilots and they'd be smoking in the cockpit and, and it just me and I'd open the door and I'd be flying over the middle of nowhere looking out and I'd be like, this is probably the dumbest thing I've ever done in my life. But it's a different vibe, you know, when, when the first oh. time those tracers go off behind you and you're just like. <laughs> well, I mean, exactly. When you're like, man, that's cool. Wait, wait. Wait, wait. <laughs> that's attached to a 14.7 millimeter. Yeah. And tell me every, every team guy's heard this when, when you, the first time you're in a, in a 47 and you're sitting under the rotor and it's leaking in, under your face and all that. I remember I was like, hey, man, the thing's leaking. He goes, when it stops, tell me that's when we got a problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. About, exactly. I mean, like a heavy leak. Oh, yeah. Did like, you ever have to do the, the transits in the old Seawolf? I remember we did one. Two or one rotor. Two rotors. It was our bus, oh. and and we took one. Oh yeah, we took that thing from Guam 
to to I think we were going to either Tinian or Saipan, but then we flew out to some island to shoot rockets because it was the only. And I remember going out there, and there was a storm going, and the uh, thing, and it was, I mean, leaking everywhere, and the pilots, you could hear them, like, because we were all on comms, and they're like, ah, we we might have to just set her down out there. And you're just like... Where? <laughs> oh. Just ocean. Where. <laughs> yeah, 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 where are you talking? Hey, you know, Morgan's in that helicopter. They said there's nothing, there's nothing more terrifying is when that helicopter stops flying in the air. And I heard that I, from I, a couple of rangers who... Um, who were in some helicopter crashes in a storm. One guy in Afghanistan paralyzed the monkey. Dude, he has monkey's tail still. It's, he was hooked into the door. Yeah. And when they hit the ground, he went out of the hell hole and it snapped him in half. It, it broke his back. Yeah. And I mean, he was, he goes, I was out. I, I came to, my hand was over the top of my head, paralyzed. You know, I couldn't, yeah. couldn't move. And he goes, I kind of looked up, man, the helicopter was on fire. One dude was on fire walking around the, the deal, dragging some of the guys out. I mean, it was the craziest thing. And then when Morgan got in that helicopter crash, he got, that bending was probably what the Titanic sounded like when it, you know, ships when they That bending metal, nothing, that yeah. bending metal. Yeah, the creep. warping men are, yeah. yeah. Screaming. Screaming metal. Screaming metal, yeah. Yep. And uh, when they hit hit that ship, uh, he, he's just like, man, I don't know. <laughs> oh, my yeah, yeah, gosh. And then the thing about when he stood up, he didn't. Trying to figure out what was going on is when he fell off the superstructure, and that's how he broke his back. <laughs> his broke, or broke his pelvis. Right, right. Because he was in the door when they hit. So, uh, but he goes, "Man, there's nothing more." It's crazy, terrifying. All right, so Bonnie Jill, when you think about it, oh man, I, we digressed on that Lord. one a little bit. <laughs> how did we even get into that? Oh, so, well, she was getting taken. When she was getting right shot at. So, yeah. when you think about you know her campaign now in life, and and, and I love the goal that she wants to be. Um, owner of a team and that's her quest and that's her vision because she loves sports so much and i all think that. she'll do that i think she'll get that done man well it, it's always it, nothing's like we impossible saying, right you hear those ceos are like he started in the mailroom you know he worked his way up through the whole deal somebody who starts like she did in in an obscure place where you, you think they had no way of making it to the front office yep they get there so I, I I think she's a real inspiration for everybody. I think yeah, she's an amazing. Passion. It's called passion yeah. and purpose, right? And it's it's the thing that keeps her going. And I just love to hear that. I love to love to hear that, man. Uh, and it's and it's amazing. Well, she story. believes in herself. She totally and believes we were in herself. About that once you have your, we always call it the baseline, but your principles, your morals, yeah. and, and they they don't flex or fudge or bend or break or anything. That's like just what you are, right? Once you have established that, and then over time with the experience, it really comes in, it solidifies, right? And, Absolutely. Um, once you believe in yourself, it's easier to trust in other people, especially if you know they have a baseline themselves. You don't have to test somebody's uh, more baseline that to push them all away like we do. Yep. I mean, we, you see what everybody's made of in Bud's training. That's where it all starts, right? Yeah. It doesn't have to be that way in every environment. No, no, it's unnecessary. Uh, so but- once you trust yourself, you believe in yourself and, and what you're capable of, it's easier for you to go out. And, and work with other people, become that team, and then have a common goal and, and go for it. Amen to that. And I think that's what Bonnie Jill's done. And so I just want to, you know, we, we typically like to end the show by reading a, a, one of the shared stories. Because what we ask you to do, if you love the show and you're really getting moved by it, we want you to write in and share your greatest never quit story with us. Or if you've got someone that you care about or love, Go ahead and write in and share their greatest never quit story too. And you can do that on our website on tnqpodcast.com under share your story segment. And just go ahead. And if you've got a great video, go ahead and videotape or, or use your cell phone, do a short video, send us in. And what we do is we go through those things. And if we find a good one, we go ahead and read it on here. And if we if we get a great one, Marcus, what do we do? Bring in your own. We bring in your own. Just like we're doing, we've done with Katie. So what we want to do now is read one of those shared stories with us. And this one kind of kind of hit me hard. Man. Hey, that's my favorite time, Wizard, story time, because he gets into that. You know <laughs> the voice, I mean? my yeah. reader's voice, it's my narrator's is voice. Is it too late to change to a radio voice? <laughs> yes. Is it too late for you to do that? It's way too late, bud. It's way too late. Gene Vandenham. <laughs> Don't do Gene Vandenham. <laughs> Because I will, I can't keep it together if you do a Ross Patterson, Gene Van Ham range fifteen deal, but oh, I can't. All right, all right. So here, this one comes in from Katie. All right, I wanted to share my story with you because you guys constantly inspire me to never quit when I am faced with challenges. 
And though I most likely will never go through anything as challenging as you have, I've had some hard times where quitting seemed like a good idea. Where do I start? I was overweight my whole life. Heck, I'm pretty sure I came out of the womb wrapped in bacon with a side of ranch. Going through life like that as a kid was rough, and bullying was an everyday reality for me. I will never forget the day I was called revolting in front of my whole class or the time a boy beat me with a plastic cricket wicket, leaving nasty welts on my backside. It was the price I paid for being a fat loser, I guess. One day I was inspired to change this obese life I was living and ended up losing approximately 60 pounds purely through hard work, dedication, and a desire to never give up. My first goal was to run 20 seconds straight. Can you believe that? I was, un- I was that unhealthy. Later, I would run a 10K, which was a huge achievement for me. I have kept that weight off ever since, and now I enjoy a much healthier life. But losing weight didn't, didn't solve everything. I was do- diagnosed with endometriosis in 2014 after a long battle to f- find a cause of my daily pain. It's a chronic and curable disease that affects women significantly. Uh, but because, painful, but, man. Basically, where the lining of the uterus packs up and moves around the body to find a more home. It's extremely painful and can fuse organs together, as did mine, fusing my abdomen to the wall of the lining nearby. I had surgery to diagnose and fix my abdomen in 2015 and a follow-up surgery a month later. The year before, I had moved to the big old U.S. of A. from my home in Australia to marry my sweetheart, who is a United States Marine. He was away for both surgeries, so I faced the recover completely alone. This wasn't unusual to me, though, because I, when I first moved to the U.S., he was deployed just one month later, and I spent a lot of time alone, braving the roads to teach myself how to drive on the right-hand side of the road and ask strangers for help where I didn't know anything was going on, including where to find the supermarket. Endometriosis is my daily struggle now, and there is no cure. It's hard to move some days and hard to get out and do things by myself, but I never want to be one of those people who sits and cringes and whines, and it's too hard to move to do things. So I force myself to get out and do as much as possible. Scratch that. Especially on hard days, I love being outdoors and spend as much time as possible. I try to make myself as mentally tough as I can, so to live a full life. Not life resting on the couch because I, even though I'm pain or sick, I don't want to become a victim of the disease. These are just a couple of stories. I don't like to talk that much about myself, like I said, but I had to share them because there, there was something inside me that wanted the team to know that you guys inspire me so much to get through life's challenges. And all I want to do is thank you for that. And I will never give up because of you. Well, Katie, thank you for writing in. Thank you for sharing that story. It's exactly what we want listeners to do, to connect through the power of the Team Never Quit podcast, to connect with the insight that the guests come on and share, to connect with the stories that Marcus and I have driven us to allow to understand the power of the human condition and that we're all connected through our ability to endure hardship. So, Marcus, as we typically end... What do you think, bud? Uh, I know what that is. Because 18 Delta, man, we we study up on that. And I, we were talking about this last night because of how poorly we did. You did cardiology, right? <laughs> yeah. We had to study L, uh, L&D. Yep. She says that she had the, the, the uterus moves. It moves around and it attaches yep. to the intestine, which means every time she he, she goes through peristalsis with those intestines, man, that it, it, it moves the uterus, which causes that pain, right? Intense it's pain. So like if you insane. eat, you're going to be in pain. Yep. And it's just, like, I, when I watch Melanie give birth to Axe, I would stand over top of it. And one thing that team guys can do, man, you can look into somebody's eyes, see how much pain they're in Absolutely. in relation to how bad or, or well or poorly they're taking it. Right. The fact that she's so positively motivated about, I mean, standing up is painful. Yep. Everything. Moving, walking. Everything, man, moving yeah. around. And then just that, I don't want to say they're conditioned to take, take pain. Uh, more than we are, man. But they can take pain. They can take a lot of. And it. then once, and their their mental attitude is what drives that, and that's what motivates uh, 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 in this family. How motivating the women are is because everything they they can take, and then they push through it. So why couldn't we? Amen. And that's just a prime example of that, man. I mean, it, people hear that word, they don't know what it is. They don't think it's any big deal. It is. 
And for all the women out there who suffer from 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 whatever, and they just take, don't say anything, man, because they they think uh, if I say something, well, I'm a woman, and then I have a problem. I, mean, I complained to my wife. I had a splinter the other day, man, and I I'll tell you what, dude. <laughs> so I didn't mean to go down off on a tirade there, but closing this out, I'd like to give thanks to God and to all the women out there for all the crap you take daily and for all the pain you put up with. Just have a smile on your face, so. Uh, Guys like me can think I'm 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 manly. I'm doing a good job. I don't know, baby. I, to my wife, I love you every day so much more and more. And thanks to everybody out there for listening and, and letting us do this. Amen. And I just want to thank God and I want to thank my family, in particular my wife. And I want to thank all the other women out there who are amazing at what you do and, and what you have to suffer with and, and, and what you don't and the inspiration that you give each other want to thank wizard and i want to thank marcus for giving me the opportunity to bring uh, a positive outlook on life to so many people so if you've listened to this show and you want to keep listening please do us a favor and and spread the word teach your friends and your family your mothers your sisters how important the show can be to help you and katie thank you for writing in thank you katie that's all i got marcus i'm out we're out